Hey, this is Brent Jensen, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And today, I am joined by co-founder of the Awesome Music Project, a campaign that explores the power of music. Mr. Robert Carley is joining me today. Rob, how are you, man? I'm well, Brent. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We just had like a super long chat. It was fascinating to we, me. We did. We got into it and then we realized, wait a second, we should start recording we this. We should have recorded it. I know. <laughs> Why do it twice? <laughs> now, for the Awesome Music Project, I have met your partner in this endeavor, Terry Stewart. And uh, I know what you're doing, but can you uh, just touch on the details of you know, what the uh, awesome music project is. Yeah, I'll, I'll, it started as, as a just actually an idea Terry had to collect stories about um, the impact music has had on the lives of different people. So he started collecting stories and thought, let's make a book. And that slowly morphed into really what has become a campaign to raise awareness and to raise money for mental health and music research. Mm-hmm. So that's in a nutshell what, what the Awesome Music Project is. It's really just a, it's about sharing stories about the transformative power of music um, in your life. And I think if you, you know, most people seem to have some kind of connection to music or some kind of, you know, memory or incident or a concert they went to or a song that kind of makes them feel something. And really it's about us, you know, digging into those stories, finding them, and then finding out that how, the, how those, you know, central to, you know, it could be healing. It could be just making you want to dance. It could be um, bringing you to a different place in time, a memory from when you were in high school, something that maybe changed your life. Uh, you know, maybe it made you drive out west and start a new life. Who knows? Yeah. So that's how it all started. And uh, yeah, I should say when when Terry first you know broached me with the idea, I was like, well, that's a really interesting idea, Terry. But I don't think that'll work because. Chances are I'm going to hate your story. <laughs> I'm going to hate your music because um, he and I have completely opposite tastes in music. Not completely opposites, but yeah. – and then I started reading the stories and I'm like, you know what? It's not so much about the song. If you tell me that you know, the Wind Beneath My Wings by Bette Midler is your, is your most important song, I may not suddenly love that song. But mm-hmm. the story behind that song is kind of what is really central – to, the, to what we're trying to do in the book. That's the really important stuff. That's the gold. And so it's really about finding those kinds of stories and bringing them out of people. And then, um, yeah, the whole idea is uh, the book comes out on uh, October 10th, 2019, which is World Mental Health Day. Mm-hmm. And all of the proceeds go to some research initi- initiatives down at the uh, Center for Addiction and Mental Health, which is CAMH in Toronto, and also other benefactors in different communities across Canada. I'm extremely interested in this. I can see the, uh, I can see the what would we call this? Well, it's basically the e version of the book. Yeah, that's the e version. We the book. Yeah, we're almost we're weeks away from getting our hard hard copies. Yeah. And so yeah, you're looking at the electronic version, which gives you the sense of the layout and the artwork and things like that. It looks fantastic. Yeah, thanks. I love what you've done. Yeah. And our our worlds. We were talking about this earlier. Our our worlds collide. We do something very very similar. We focus on how music feels as opposed to how it sounds or even looks. And that, that has been my platform since I started this thing, you know, eight, nine years ago. Wow. Yeah, it's, you're right. I mean, um, I think everybody's got some connection to music. You know, some people don't, you know, on the surface anyway, they may not have, it may not play a big important role. I'm a professional musician, so obviously it, it has a, a big impact on my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but even, so, you know, when I look back at songs and things and memories, I think you're hitting on something very important in that for everyone, there's almost like a narrative there almost like a soundtrack in your life that you could sort of piece together 
And one of our contributors, uh, Madeline Tian, who's a great author, a governor award-winning author, who wrote uh, Do Not Say We Have Nothing, which was a, a bestseller from a few years ago. She wrote a really great line, and I won't reveal the nature of her story, but she wrote a great line about how music's like a time machine mm. and how it can transport you immediately to a different place Absolutely. Um, and a memory. And you can be like, oh, wow, I'm 18 again, or I'm living on my own in Montreal and I'm 23 or I'm I'm lost or whatever. Yep. All those things come flooding back to you through music. It's that kind of conduit to a different past or a different place. It is this close to magic. Yeah. It, it really is. I mean, you hear certain notes and certain songs and it will bring you right back there to exactly where you were in yeah, 1985. Yeah. You know, it's fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah. Power of nostalgia. Totally. Yeah. Okay, so you have got uh, a number of songs here that have a special story behind them, and I've got a list of them here. So the first one is by Sky Wallace, and it's not ready for this to start. This is a very peculiar. Well, you know, it's funny when you ask me the songs. I mean, these are songs. Because, like I say, I, I work in um, in music. I'm I'm a TV and film composer, and so I have a. Um, a constant sort of revolving playlist. It's like you ask me what my favorite song is. It's going to change mm. um, week to week, or maybe year to year, or month to month, or whatever. So my playlist is constantly re- evolving. And I and I so I, when you when you asked me the question, I thought you know I'm going to pick songs which are current f- for me right now. These may not be the same in a few uh, months. But the Sky Wallace song. I mean, she's. I find her really fascinating, and I had the the pleasure of playing with her not too long ago. And I actually played this song just. Uh, as an accompaniment, I was just, I, that's how I learned the song. And the connection here is that she also uh, is a contributor to the Awesome Music Project. Oh, nice. There's a small army of people that helped to build this thing, including our publisher out, out west called Page Two. Um, and they also have a network of people. So Sky Wallace came to, to me and to the book. Well, I should say I had nothing to do with her involvement in, in the book, even though I knew her. It was kind of just a, a, night, a happy coincidence. Mm-hmm. And so I picked on this song because, um, first of all, it's in the book, and it's a really cool rocking tune. And when I first heard her play it, I'm like, what? What's going on here? Like, she's got such a unique voice. I wasn't really familiar with her up until a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I really loved her Kind of like I, I hate it when you know people say she's kind of like this and this and this combined together, but I'll do it anyway. <laughs> it's kind of like because it does it does help sometimes. Yeah, she's completely unique, but there's there's traces of like a Tori Amos and a Pat Benatar in her in her style. Like she's got this real rock edge to her, but she's got a sensibility which I think is really really interesting, and she's just a fascinating uh, singer songwriter. And I and I that's why I picked that song. Also because, you know, like I say, it is in the book and it's relevant to, you know, in the last few uh, few months I've been sort of consumed with the Awesome Music Project mm-hmm. and, our, and our new book. So I, I've been mining the stories and I sort of had a slight bias to what is contained in that book. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to pick Sky Wallace because I, th- I also think, you know, she's – She's pretty young, and and she's I think going to do great things in this country. She will um, make her mark, and I feel like she's a rising star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next is Led Zeppelin. This is one of my favorite Zeppelin songs, the Rain song. Uh, I love it. Yeah, the the Rain song. Um, well, you yeah, because you you did betray to me uh, earlier speaking to you that you you're a metal guy or a heavy a heavy rock guy yeah, or just yeah. like you know, yeah. And so, well, there's a lot of reasons why I I um. I picked this one. It's funny. I, I grew up as a classical musician, so or classically trained kid. You know, that's what I what I studied mostly. And 
at my own peril, really, sort of ignoring a lot of popular music of the time. So all, all of my friends were listening either to, you know, a lot of punk rock. Mm. And I was listening to, um, you know, mostly classical stuff or really nerdy rock. <laughs> <laughs> like I wasted so much time on some of the nerdy rock. Now, some of it wasn't. I mean, I liked things like Elvis, Elvis Costello and some of that kind of stuff was, and I was a big fan of the uh, English beat, but you couldn't really get further away from ska mm. and, and that kind of music than you, than Led Zeppelin. So I kind of didn't really listen to Zeppelin until I was about 30. Oh, wow. In my 30s. I, I mean, I knew this, the catalog a little bit, but I didn't really appreciate what the band was doing mm -hmm. until, um, whatever, like, uh, a couple decades ago. Yeah. And then I started, I had a few of the records. I think actually my brother, um, they were my brother's records. And, um, uh, I, suddenly I had them in my collection. And I started to put them on and listen to them. And, I thought, well, hey, this is there's something here that I was missing the first time around. Mm -hmm. uh, from a technical point of view, like just listening to you know how things were recorded, and I think it might have been around that time I listened to I forget what track it was, but there was an isolation of uh, John Bottom drums, like just the drum track, mm -hmm. and it was so illuminating. And I was like, well, what is going on here? At the time, I was starting to get into all kinds of multi-tracks of old Beatles stuff and yeah. Queen. And, and these things were kind of circulating. Yeah. And I'm sure you've probably heard them now. They're like, they're everywhere. You can hear isolated tracks of, of virtually any kind of classic rock tune. Mm -hmm. At the time, though, it was kind of a new uh, new thing. And I, and I heard some Zeppelin tracks isolated. And I was like, wow, this is only th three guys making this sound. If mm -hmm. you, you take out the vocals. And I was like, the, the, the instruments are just like everybody's filling up the space so oh, yeah. well. Yeah. And the way it's recorded and the way the drums are played, that track is not a particularly drum-heavy tr track, but it's just, to me, I was like suddenly into the band yeah. and really trying to understand. I, I was some, suddenly getting why everyone was like, Zeppelin is the band. I'm like, okay. Up to that point, I'm like, all right, whatever. And now I sort of realized that this, this stuff is kind of set the, set the bar, uh, set the template really for what, what other bands would do after them. So, And yeah. also for rock drumming, I mean, you really can't get any better than that. No. Yeah. Uh, Chris Burkett was in, well, last week. And so he tells this really funny story about uh, being in a pub with John Bonham. After the, you know, they're talking about miking techniques and that sort of thing. So, so they go to the bathroom to relieve themselves and this paparazzi comes in. And Bonham is so angry that he grabs the paparazzi by the ankles and turns them upside down. And Burkett said, I can see this in my mind, just seeing all those guys change, fall on the floor. Yeah, the <laughs> totally. Yeah, well, there's a part of that, that's the whole rock culture thing, that when you, you know, you hear these great stories and you, you, you remember like what it's like, or you don't remember, but you, you imagine what it was like to be in that kind of world. It's just like so... I wonder if you can get away with that nowadays. I don't think that's, I think this, the times have changed. No, I don't think so. Um, another reason why I, met, I brought up, I picked Zeppelin is because it also appears a lot in the book and it's, it's a band that speaks to so many people and it's just a, you know, I, I don't know, it's part of a lot of people's sort of musical history in some way. So I just oh, wanted yeah. to sort of somehow acknowledge that um, in the book. Yeah. Yeah. So next is uh, Dave Bedini and the Rio Statics. The song is Queer. Yeah, so I picked this song again. I, I have to say that I was slightly biased in my choices because I was um, this week sort of consumed with with uh, the book, and because we had just uh, just gotten back the proofs, and I was sort of looking it over. And sometimes in in this in this collection of stories, there's some nice synergies that happen where a storyteller will mention a song, and then that song will also 
the uh, sort of the author of that song or the, or the composer or the singer songwriter will also be in the book. Mm-hmm. And that happened a few times. So, for example, David Hain, who wrote, who's the guy who uh, wrote Come From Away with, uh, his, right. with his partner, he references an Alan Doyle song from oh. Great Big Sea, and Alan Doyle is also in the book. So it was kind of just a nice synergy. Yeah. And I think Alan Doyle has a, has a Zeppelin song too. I can't remember. Oh, really? Um, anyway, in the case of, of, uh, Dave Bedini, there's a, there's, he's, Dave Bedini also contributes a great story to the book, but there's a guy named Sean Brody who's a Toronto based musician who runs the Queer Songbook Orchestra. And he's got a great story in the book. And in the book, he also references, um, the song Queer mm-hmm. by the Rio Statics. And I'm like, well, this is a cool kind of neat synergy. And I thought, I'm going to pick this song. And I had just heard the, uh, a couple of tracks off the new Rio Statics record. I've always been a big Rio Statics fan. And I was like, okay, well, this is all these all these boxes are being checked here. I'm going to pick Queer because it's a classic kind of Rio's rockin' song, you know. And you really can't go wrong with that tune. I just love the – I love the energy of it. Like there's a certain amount of like – you know, lyrically, it's it's powerful. I think the energy is – is in Dave's vocals, mm-hmm. uh, the way it's just played. And so when you, when you see it live, it's like, there's so much energy and it's just like, I think it's a great, great tune and had to go on the list. Yeah. 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 Tame Impala is next with Led Zeppelin. Right. And I picked, <laughs> it's funny, I picked that particular tune just because I had, I was kind of, you know, like on the, tying it into the Led Zeppelin thing. I thought, yeah. isn't that an interesting sort of segue? So Tame Impala is a band that I'm interested in. And it's, it's, well, it's I just saw them last week. They were in Toronto. Mm. And it's really uh, Kevin Parker's Tame Impala. And I just think what he's doing is so interesting for a young musician. And that particular tune, Led Zeppelin, it's not about Led Zeppelin. It just, to me, it sounds, something about it sounds like Led Zeppelin. I'm like, you know, it just, if someone challenged you to write a song like Zeppelin, you'd be like, nope, can't do that. But yeah. he managed to do that. I'm not sure if it was the chicken and egg thing. Like he just wrote a tune and it was like, hey, that sounds like Zeppelin. And he called it that. <laughs> or if he set himself out, I have no idea. But I just find that that particular tune, it's got, it's just a clever, it's, it's, it sort of embodies everything that I think that band does, which is great melodic bass playing. Mm-hmm. Great guitar licks, really just wonderful arrangements that you're not really sure where the tune is going. It's got, you know, if you, if you analyze the structure of that song, not to get too academic, but it's, it deviates from a typical pop kind of structure to me. It's got yeah. lots of different moving parts. And I felt like, well, I'm going to pick tunes that are kind of f- fresh on my playlist right now. And because I just was, I just saw, saw the band, they played at the Budweiser stage last weekend mm-hmm. and it was a great evening and I was just blown away by, uh, their performance, and I thought they should get on the top seven tunes for this <laughs> for this week. And there they are. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Anderson Pock is next, and make it better. I just think he is a fascinating young musician. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know his story, but he's from Southern California. He's really, I guess, a hip hop artist rapper. Yeah, okay. But his he he transcends to me. Um, well, he's he's part of a new school. I think not, maybe not new school, but at least new to me. Of you know a sound in hip hop where there's a lot more soul going on, a lot more instruments and R and B are being played. Like he's a fantastic drummer, and his sense of time is just so great. Smokey Robinson is is on this too. I yeah, believe, and Smokey right? Robinson plays. I mean, his his the guest list on this record um, that's off of a record called Ventura, and he and he had a record called Oxnard, which he wrote at the same time. He recorded and wrote them at the same time, and it's almost like they're a companion. One came out in the fall of. 2019 or 18 and and then the other one came out in the spring of this year mm. and you know i think he he referred to one as being like the 
the dark record and one's the light record or one's the angry record and one's the happy record or something like that. But they're clearly one's a soul record and one's a hip hop record. Um, and the, and the, you know, the one from the fall is just a straight hip hop record with like some great artists on that. And then the, the new record is really a soul record and it's got so many great performances and so many, so the arrangements again too are like there's great backup singers and horn arrangements and Mm. strings. And I'm just like, wow, this guy, um, is just pulling out all the stops on the production. He's not mailing it in. He's really, um, he's the real deal. He's really authentic. And I, and again, he's on the list because, these are artists that I've seen, I have seen in the last two months. He also was in Toronto in uh, June and I saw him perform at uh, Echo Beach. Oh. Blew me away. Like, just fantastic. It was also nice to see him wearing a Kyle Lowry jersey. It was straight in there <laughs> during the run, you know, in the NBA playoffs. And, uh, but his, his drumming, everything what they did live was just, it just kind of blew me away. So it's, he's still on my playlist. He was on my playlist around the new year. Uh, and he's not really left ever since. I mean, I've known him for for a few years, but I've always been a fan. But if you haven't heard that record, you got to check it out. It's just a great record, Ventura, Harrison Pack. Yeah, I know the song. It's it's great. Make it better. Uh, this is interesting. What you've done here next? You've got uh, the Beatles' Eleanor Rigby, but is the Aretha Franklin version? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about that. Nothing wrong with the original. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> I really like. I'm a huge Beatles fan. I always have been, and. Um, I think uh, I picked this one because, well, first of all, I only discovered it recently. I mm. didn't know that she had done a cover of Eleanor Rigby. And when you hear it, it's so different than the original. And this kind of speaks to an idea that I have just about w- approaching a song f- with a different lens, like a rearrangement or a reimagining of a song to mm-hmm. me is a very interesting um, exercise because you, you can take away certain elements, obviously production and the original singer, but what you're trying to do is you're trying to maintain the essence of the song, you know, and that's often embodied in the lyrics or, or the chords. But there's something about her, her version of it, which is it's really a soulful version of the tune. And I found it very curious. And I mean, it's a beautiful version of the song. It's so different than the original. But I just it got me thinking about arranging and, and the well, first of all, personally, the role that arrangements play in my own life, because as as a sort of part time arranger, I do this kind of thing all the time for different groups. And it's a, it's a very I don't know, enlightening exercise when you take something and you try to reimagine it in a different context with maybe a different singer. Mm-hmm. But also I was thinking about um, what we were speaking about before in relation to the Awesome Music Project. One of our ideas is to, in addition to a book, we also wanted to hold events. And so, uh, you know, concert experiences where instead of just going to a concert, really it's a billi- about marry- marrying storytelling. So stories, songs, and science, which so is kind great. of what the book is all about. So, you know, imagine this, like you go to a concert and, you know, spotlight comes on and a, and a, a person walks out and that person happens to be a firefighter. It's not someone famous. It's a, it's a, just a citizen, uh, gets up and tells a story about, you know, how music made an impact on their life in some way. And it, and it doesn't have to be about, uh, you know, loss, but it might be, might be, you know, something that happened in this person's life. And they speak for a few minutes. And in that story, they might reference a song or a, a band or something. And then you cut to a singer-songwriter will come out and perform that song. But you get a singer-songwriter like a, you know, like a Dave Bedini or a Jim mm-hmm. Cuddy or someone to come out to cover the song. But you know, if it was someone like a Jim Cuddy, it's not with Blue Rodeo. It's just him by himself. And maybe it's with a string quartet. So it's a little bit of – it's out of context slightly. It's interesting to me because obviously that person can't – we can't render the song in the same way. We'd, we'd just be playing the recording of mm-hmm. the original song. But now we're, we're 
passing that experience on to the audience and sharing it with everyone, you know, through their story. So suddenly you're listening to that song in a different way. And it's like kind of what I referenced before. It's like everyone's got a music story and your music story and mine may be so different that I can't relate to your song so much, but I can relate to your story. Yes. And so that's why, you know, the, the idea of arranging it in such a way where it becomes, it's in a different context, you know, and just to close the loop on this, this uh, concert experience um, that we want to d- develop, it's like after you've got the song done, a neuroscientist come out and do a little bit of the science about what's happening in our brains with music and talk a bit about music therapy and some of the, you know, uh, the physiological aspects of listening to music and, you know, why do we want to tap our foot when we hear music? Those kinds of ideas and address those kinds of questions. Mm-hmm. And so that's, to me, a, you know, a, a, like a perfect combination of stories and science and song all working together. And you do that a, a couple times in an evening, and I think you've got a really engaging event. And that's what we're going to do. In fact, we've got two events planned coming up in the fall related to our book launch. Yeah. And then we want to do do a few more in the new year. Like, let's take it on the road and 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 really bring it to different audiences. And so people, and like I say, some of the storytellers can be well-known people, uh, but some of them just are just people who have really interesting stories. And yeah. then instead of just talking about the song, we perform the song. And then instead of just having the song, we talk about the science as well. So I think those three things working in tandem will make a really engaging evening. I have to say that I think that's just a brilliant idea. Well, thanks. It, it truly yeah. is. I'm, I'm really excited to see. You'll have to buy a ticket, then, won't you, Brent? <laughs> I will. Trust me. I'll be there. No co- I'll give you a free shirt, but you got to buy a ticket. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> totally. Right. I'd be happy to do that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, you've got one more tune here. It's Vampire Weekend and Rich Man. Okay, so I picked. I think maybe I had a bias toward bands that I had recently seen. So I saw Vampire Weekend also yep. uh, in June. I think they were also at Echo Beach. And I've seen this band a few times. I saw them at the Horseshoe when they were just nothing. And my first experience was listening to, what's that station? KCRW out in LA. I was out there for some, something like 2006 or something like that, maybe eight. And I heard this song on the radio. I'm like, what is this weird band? It was their debut record. And then I was walking down Queen Street and it was like, oh, the Vampire Weekend's playing in at the Horseshoe. And I'm like, this is a band I just heard about and mm. I listened to four of their tracks. It was one of those weird kind of connections. And the next thing you know, they've become quite a big band. And the next time they came back to town, they played, what's the the club down at the docks, the bigger, I forget, it keeps changing its name. But Rebel. The Rebel. So it was Rebel and that's like, you know, three or 4,000 people. And the next thing you know, they're playing at Echo Beach for five or 6,000 people. So the band has like got a big following now. And my kids are really into the band too. So I took them to see Vampire Weekend. Yeah. And so their new record has this uh, track, Rich Man, on it, which is a really beautiful, um, simple, elegant little tune that I just can't stop singing. It's just really, uh, there's nothing special about the tune, you know, musically. It's just, a, it's, a, it's, it's based on a loop. It's got a loop as the sort of backbone and it's got just clever lyrics. And the lyrics are kind of about being grateful and it's just, it's a nice, simple melody and, it's quaint. It's very quaint. Mm-hmm. And it always makes me smile. And so, you know, it goes back to kind of the essence of what Terry was setting out to do with the Awesome Music Project uh, initially was he's like, what's, you know, the initial question we were asking people is like, what's your happy song? And I we sort of got away from that because not all music makes you happy. It's more like what makes you feel. It's kind of way a better exactly. way of framing that. Yeah. But, you know, I was thinking about the happy song question and I think that's just a song that regardless of whatever mood I'm in, I will always be tapping my toe and it'll always make me smile. That's cool. And so that sort of you know, loops back to one of those tunes that just always, you know, is is kind of a happy song. You know, I was when I should just 
uh, fill in the blanks there. When when Terry brought that up to me about the happy song, I was like, yeah, it's 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 really hard to 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 make a like he was looking for like a magic playlist. Like he was looking from a scientific way of looking at it. It's like if everybody had a playlist of all the songs that make people happy, then mm-hmm. we everyone would be happy. And I'm like. That's not quite how music works, you know. It's so it's so subjective, and I think when you look at stories, you really it it reveals just how how diverse uh, you know stories can be, and Absolutely. how uh, music is really a personal kind of experience for everyone, mm-hmm. and you can't change that. So why try to square peg round hole this thing? It's like you know your your song is your song, you own that. But what I want to hear is your story behind your song, and not so much maybe your song. Maybe I'm going to hate it, but I'm going to love your story. You and I have so much in common in that way, Rob. I'm so glad that we found each other. Seriously. Yeah. Oh, God. It's yeah. about time. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's for sure. No, I, likewise. I think when I heard about what you're doing here, Brent, with your book and your adventure in the, in the Rockies hmm. and your playlists with, with, uh, with Garvey. Yeah. Um, and then, um, how you've spun that into a playlist, into a podcast. I'm, um, I'm really intrigued and, like you said at the very top, these worlds have really collided. Like what you do and what Terry and I are doing, it's the same universe. It's it really, really it's really, it's really digging into what what music means to people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The the power of connectivity that music has, it just blows my mind. Yeah. It's fascinating to me. Totally. That's what my whole platform is about. Keep making podcasts. I guess uh, you'll well, never run out. You'll never run out of songs. Well, well, <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it, it's an infinite possibility, right? Because you, I mean, there's so many people that are so into music that literally I could do this, you know, till my dying day. Well, it, yeah. Th- there's no shortage in in number of people to speak to about their personal experiences. And I liked what you said earlier about it doesn't have to be a celebrity. Everybody's got a story. And when I first started this thing, sure, I wanted to have big names, but I also wanted to talk to my neighbors. Yeah. And the guy who cuts my hair and whoever else, because everybody's got a, a story. That's where sometimes the treasure and, and the surprises are. Like, mm-hmm. I'll give you a quick example. When when we first started compiling stories, we were kind of addicted to just asking everybody about what's your, what's your song, you know. Mm-hmm. So you get into a cab and you'd be like talking to the cab driver. And Terry got into a cab in San Diego and the guy was from Somalia. And then I got into a cab in Montreal and the guy was from also from Somalia. And they both said – when asked what is an important song for you, one identified Coward of the County by Kenny Rogers and another one identified The Gambler by Kenny Rogers. And I'm like, what? What is it about Kenny Rogers and and Eastern African countries? And it's like, turns out he's huge there. Like in the 70s and in the 80s, it was just like, I don't know if there was really great uh, distribution or his record label pushed in there or something (laughs) happened. But for some um, strange reason, he is... Like the he's bigger than Michael Jackson, wow! In in, uh, in certain African countries, so you would never know that a guy singing about you know Lucille yeah, right? <laughs> would would resonate with the, the people in African countries. But hey, this, these are the kinds of things that I'm talking about where he's just like illuminating. You know, it's interesting. Have you seen Sugar Man? Yeah, duck, it's, it's yeah. same thing, same idea, right? Yeah, bizarre. Uh, with Rodrigo, yeah, yeah. Rodriguez, Rodriguez, yeah, yeah. and uh, how, yeah, that's a great story, and yeah, how it's almost like technology has changed the way we discover music, mm-hmm. and you could not maybe not so much anymore, but you could literally live in a vacuum and be loving a kind of music, and then you know, in the old days, you would love a certain band, and yes. maybe none of your friends did, and then when that band came to town, 
that's when you'd go and find your your tribe of people that because like you would come out of the woodwork literally and it's like here we are we're gonna all gonna see we're all gonna celebrate this band because there was not the same online community that you can do now that's or you can so experience true. now which is not a uh, an indictment of the current situation or, you know, a, a pining for the past. It's just a fact that the dynamics have changed. The the landscape has changed and the way we share music has changed. Yeah. Oh man. You got to read my first two books. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. It is exactly what you just said. Oh, right on. Yeah. I touch on those very topics about finding your tribe. Crazy. Right on. Finding your tribe. Unbelievable. No sleep till Sudbury. Don't yeah. sleep till Sudbury. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We have a lot to talk about. Yeah. Well, we should keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I wish we could. Yeah. There we well, go. You'll, you'll be back for another I'd love to come back. I'd love to come back with the book, maybe yes. in uh, you know six or eight months' time or whenever. When the book has come out, we can, we can get some reaction and get more stories. You know, these this we, we, we capped off the number of stories at 111 just because where do you stop? But there's already ideas like let's do a sports edition. Mm-hmm. Let's just get sports. We have, you know, Jordan Eberle's in the book and Jennifer Heil and uh, Theo Fleury's in the book. Like we have a few sports people in the current book. But we, why don't we do just only sports guys or girls? And and then why don't we do uh, you, the youth one? You know, like yeah. have – take different groups of the populations and like look at their stories. Just – I don't know. I think it will be very interesting. The possibilities yeah. are limitless. Yeah. They really are. Yeah. We'll definitely have you back after the book launches. Yeah. And we'll go from there. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right, this has been Brian Jensen, No Sleep Till Sudbury, with my very special guest, Mr. Rob Carley. Until next time, folks, take good care. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide.